0: This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We've been teaching on the valleys in the Bible for quite some time now, and we're actually going to finish up on the valleys today. We've taught 12 different valleys and seen some miraculous things that happened in those valleys, and things in the Bible that were, uh, the stories came to life not really remembering where they were located at and what happened in that particular area, but we're able to link those together. And I've enjoyed doing the study on on the valleys. The last valley this morning is the Valley of Gehazi. And it is a valley that is not so much geographically as we have seen some of the other pictures of the valley even though this story could have taken place in what they call that valley but it is more about the man a man in his valley in his life and what he went through just like you would go through a valley yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil we walk through that valley and that doesn't have to be a valley of course that we look at and see with our physical eyes, but it could be a valley of things that are going on in the middle of our life. And some we, we, all, we all have crossed through those valleys where we've had to really rely upon God and realize God's with us as we go through these areas in our life. Now, this particular valley of Gehazi, it has been suggested, it is called the valley of vision. The valley of vision. In other words, we see what happened to this man, Gehazi. We see his life, and we can learn some lessons that we don't fall in this particular valley that he is in an area of life that he is in. Let me give you some background about Gehazi. Uh, he was a servant of the prophet Elisha. Now, we all know about Elisha, what a great man of God that he was, we read in the Bible. Well, he was like his number two man under him. He was, he was right there with him. He was following him. He was listening to him. He was seeing what Elisha, the great things that God had done through Elisha. So he was no doubt familiar with God moving in Elisha's life. And that's a, that's a good uh, thought to keep in mind. He is familiar. He knows about it. So this servant... Here, Gehazi, he's enjoying the position that he's in, but the problem is he's got a corrupt heart. And he decides to misuse his authority to cheat Nathan, who we'll see in just a little bit, the Syrian. He was a great uh, general at that particular time. And he, of course, Nathan had leprosy. We'll talk about that. And as a result of Elisha being with Gehazi, and Gehazi wanting to do his own thing instead of following Elisha and doing what he should have been doing, because what he did, he was cursed. And in the end, we find that Naaman's leprosy was ended up going to Gehazi. And not only Gehazi, but it went to his descendants as well. And we've talked about that. It's a serious thing for us to be in sin. No doubt about that. But I'm thankful that we can have forgiveness of that sin. We can be convicted of it. And as the Holy Holy Spirit convicts us, we ask forgiveness of the Lord and we can be cleansed from that sin. But I've said before, many times when we sin, it doesn't only affect us, but many times it will affect those around you and me. It will affect our families in many ways especially if it isn't taken care of and it continues down that path. So Gehazi, valley of vision. What, did, what do we see in him? What did Gehazi see in Elisha? How did he react? What did he do? And as we look about this uh, servant of the prophet Elisha, it's sort of like the relationship and we're familiar with Elijah and Elisha. You remember they had a good relationship together. And they worked together. So this was the same type of relationship that Gehazi had. But in in other ways, Gehazi displayed, as you read through the Bible, and we'll get to the account, but he displayed a a mean character. He displayed a character that, that didn't get along good with everyone. And we don't have time to go back and look at different uh, instances, but the Shudamite woman that Elijah helped out, he was actually mean to her. At one point, She came and he, he pushed her away, told her to go on. She needed to get on about her own business. And Elisha got him straight on that. Not only that, later on, he actually tried to drive away the disciples of Elisha. And then... I was reading an account where that wicked king Jehoram, when he died, they had made a big statue of him, had buried that statue. And for some reason, this guy Gehazi felt like he wanted to to raise that statue up. And he did. He raised it up, tried to put it between earth and heaven, and people would look at it, It had some kind of signet wanted to put on there. And, and, and it, was, it was unnecessary. It wasn't something that pleased God by no means. So all of these things we see, start to see uh, the character of Gehazi and what kind type of person that he was. And so as we look at this valley of vision that we find this guy in and what's going on, we want to draw some lessons off of that. Later on, we found out, uh, you remember I said it did affect his descendants as well. Later on, they, they said at the gate of a particular area there, we find Gehazi and his three sons and every one of them had leprosy. Every one of them was struck with it. So Elisha, he, he tried to guide this young man. He tried to help this young man. He lived the life before this young man. But that didn't help out in many areas with him. He decided to go his own way own way. Uh, Later on, Elisha went even down to Damascus after this whole ordeal and tried to get Gehazi to repent, but Gehazi refused to repent. He actually used uh, one of Elisha's teachings and said to the effect, a sinner who had led others into sin has no hope. Well, that's a sad thing to, to lead others into sin, and that's the problem is that with our life, and a lot of people go, well, it's my life. I do what I want. You know, and I ain't bother nobody else. Yes, you will. You'll have enough influence on somebody else. Someone's always looking at us and watching, especially if we're professing to serve the Lord and following Christ. So uh, Gehazi did some things uh, in his conversation with the king there. And he, he, he was just on the wrong side of the fence when it came to his attitude, his character, and he did not follow uh, Elijah like he should have. It was sort of like this Gehazi, he was in the midst of holiness. He was close to a holy man. He was there close to Elisha where he could follow him and be led by him. But the problem was he was unholy himself. And so we find that that's going to have an effect on him in his valley of vision here that we see him in. And so, uh, Elisha, the man of God, he was a good man, he was a holy man, but Gehazi was far from that. Does that remind you of a thought in the Bible as I was studying the lesson, this Matthew 15, chapter 15, verse 8, they'll get it on the... On the screen there, and I want to look at this. The people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You see, that happens today a lot of times. You will be around people that seem to praise the Lord with their mouth. They seem to honour, say, I love the Lord with their lips. And all of those things, as we're listening to those things, we're thinking, okay, good, amen, that's great. But then we, we, we turn around and hear them use that same mouth, those same lips, that same tongue to maybe praise something else and even give honor to the devil many times and the worldly things many times. So how in the world can both of that work together? He says, the problem is here, but their heart is far from me. So we need to, of course, have a heart change. And that's what happens when we're genuinely saved. We have a heart change. And, I, and our lips will show that. Our mouth will show that. We will honor the Lord at all times. And so we'll look for things that will bring praise and glory to the Lord. So it is possible in the day and time we live in, in our church buildings. We, we have beautiful church buildings everywhere. I'm amazed at some of the church buildings. I ride up and down the road and look at them and think, my goodness, what a, what a great building. And then I think, man, I hope the Lord is being uplifted in that building. I hope that things are being, lives are being changed inside because the presence of the Lord is in there. But the problem is, many times we have these church buildings, and yet the folks that are in the building are actually destroying the gospel. They're they're not preaching the Gospel. They're not reaching folks with the Gospel. They've got all their programs and they've got all their wonderful things that are going on in there, but is it bringing honor and glory to the Lord? And is the Gospel message going out? and are souls being saved? So it is very important to realize those things can happen. As we compare the life of Elisha and Gehazi, Elisha had had a vibrant spiritual life. He had a great prayer life. He had a faith life. And opposite, here's the man's walking right beside him. Here's a man that's being there with him. And he's seeking contentment from things of the world. And he's looking for other things that will bring him gain. And it's a great contrast there. You see, he's like a lot of folks today. They're familiar with spiritual things but they're a stranger to the power of God. You see, you can walk around with a Bible under your arm and look spiritual, dress spiritual, and seem like you may know some things about spiritual things, but then you'll find out that they really know nothing about the power of God in their life. Really not trusting God for anything. They're just walking that little walk and doing the things that seem right and, and yet, it is not really genuine. So, Gehazi was not the man that he should have been. He lived with good men. He had a knowledge of God. And yet, he did not go as far as being influenced by the spiritual things and trusting God for the things that could supply his need. Once again, a scripture in 2 Timothy 3.5 Gives us a good example of what happens. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. A form. What does that mean? They look like a Christian. They they even sound like a Christian. And yet, they're denied the power of being a child of God. They, They don't have the power of God in their life. And you watch that person because they, they don't have that power of God in their life, even though they may look like a Christian and they even sound like a Christian, you'll find that there are a lot of problems still going on in their life and they're defeated about things that are happening because they're not relying fully upon God. Should we rub shoulders with these type of people? Notice what it says, from such turn away. So don't get wrapped up in that. Don't get wrapped up in a person that talks a good talk but doesn't walk the walk. So, we, we have to turn away from that type of situation. It will do your life no good to, to continue in that. Now, I'm sure Elisha wanted to help this young man. I'm sure he, he continued to show him what God, that God was real in his life and hoping that it would influence him. But, we find out that Gehazi had the incapacity to understand exactly what he should be doing. And he failed to appreciate Elisha, really, and what he was doing. Even in his early manhood, he had evil thoughts, he had greed, he was lying, he had hypocrisy. All these things in his youth. And now we find him, as he's getting older here, that the true color's coming out. And we see... The, the area that he is walking in. You know, just because someone is young doesn't mean that we're able to take on the world and, and, and everything that's among us. Look at Isaiah 40.30. It talks about even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. You know, that's why I believe it's so important to bring our young children your grandchildren, our young people, bring them up in the Lord. Tell them what God has done in our life. Let them see how wonderful the Lord can move in their life. I know many times they seem like they're not interested and they don't understand, but listen, I've been around enough and my uh, grandchildren, you know, every little thing I say, I may think that they're not listening, but they'll tell me later on exactly what I said. (laughs) They didn't miss a trick. I mean, they, they know exactly what, what was being brought out. And so when you think about spiritual things, isn't that so important that, that we talk spiritual things with them? Let them know what God, who God is and what He can do. And, uh, you know, I think about our church as we continue to go on in our church here. We, we need young people to step up to the plate. We need younger ones to take over and do some things uh, that we're unable to do after a while. And so, it is very important. And I know a lot of times young people think, I'm so strong, I've got all my strength, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing is going to stop me from doing this and that, and I can handle it all. And we probably thought the same way when we were young. But the Bible says that, that we will faint, we will fall as young people felt fall. And so, the important thing is us to try to be there to pick them up. Now this story that Gehazi concocted here we'll look at just in just a moment. You've got to remember he's, he's skillfully thought about this thing, constructed this thing, and then put it into action. So it's something that's in the back of his mind that he's worked on. Is he's, he wants to get it done. And he was successful at it, but it cost him. cost him big time. And so we find that uh, he's going to lose his health. He's going to bring problems to his family. And instead of living, his, leaving his family some wonderful things, and that's something we should think about, I want to leave my children, my grandchildren, some wonderful things that the Lord can do for them. I want them to know when I've lived my life, hey, he served the Lord. He was faithful to the Lord. He did, did what he should for the Lord. I wasn't perfect by no means, but yet I tried my best to do what God called me to do. And that's the kind of thought that that we want to leave others. But we find here that I don't know if Gehazi received the forgiveness that he should have. I think he probably did. I know Christ's blood can save the vilest of sinners and make them cleanse them. But when we talk about this story here, of Gehazi, let's look at some lessons that we can learn in this valley of vision. Second Kings is the story, chapter 5. We begin reading at verse 1. <clears throat> now Naaman, <clears throat> captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, he was also a mighty man in valor. And if the verse stopped right there, all we have is great good things about Naaman. But well, boy, this is a downer right at the end. But he was a leper. That makes all the difference in the world. I mean, it doesn't take away from the fact that still a great, was a great he, he was still a great man. He was still a wonderful human being and, and was able to do some great things as a leader. But you got to realize, being a leper has really affected him. It's got to. Leprosy is a terrible disease. So here we list all the wonderful things that he is, and yet there's a big, big physical problem. And that was, he was a leper. So Gehazi, being Elisha's servant in those days, is going to come to, to focus here about what's going on with this Naaman. So when the commander of the army of Syria realized he's got leper, leprosy, what does he want to do? Of course, he wants to be healed of it. He says, I, I've, I've done all these great things and I want to continue to do some great things, but here I'm a leper. I want, I want healing from this. I want to try to find something that's going to help me get over this leprosy here. So, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, this great, this honorable man, in the eyes of his master, because the Lord had given him victory over Syria. Look at verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were, the, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of leprosy. What a great bit of news that he's sharing with Naaman's wife. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid, that is, of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now, when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of leprosy. So once this news came to Naaman, and he says, You mean there's there's a cure? There's, there's somebody that can help me? Well, hey, let's let's get some things, some gifts together. Let's get this thing on the road, let's get it down there to to, to Israel, and let's, let's get this thing done. And so he's all excited about that. Now this is what happened when he got there. It came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, am I a God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send me to recover a man of leprosy? Wherefore, consider... I pray you to see now he seeketh a quarrel against me. So what, what, did, what had happened here? Why did he act like that? Because when, the, when this news came to the king of Israel, and he reads this letter, and many times we would see how they would rip their clothes, they'd rent their clothes when they would get news that really devastated them, took them back. It, it brought him great distress because he's thinking in his mind, that am I required to heal this man? Am I required to do the healing on, on Naaman? He says, you know, only God can do that. Why is He asking me? So he didn't really understand exactly the whole thing that was going to happen here. So this man, he's thinking, he, he's not going to recover of leprosy because of me. I can't do nothing about that. Because when a person had leprosy, they were actually considered dead. They weren't going to live long. His disease was incurable. His flesh began to get nasty and began to get putrefied. And they even had leprosy colonies where they could only live in. And all these all these things. So he's, he's mortified by a letter that would come to him and say, hey, maybe you could get... Get a healing taking place in this man's life. So he knows that God is the cure, that he can't do anything about that. He's thinking, well, you know, this, this guy from Syria, he's seeking some, you know, if I can't do anything, he, he'll come after me. We're going to have a war. Now, all these things are going on in his mind. But look at verse 8 And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So when he hears the whole situation that the king is reacting to, he said, wait a minute. Don't get all bent out of shape. Just tell that man to send a letter back. Tell him to come see me. So Naaman sought to get his healing, but couldn't find it till Elisha knew and heard the news that he needed healing. You know, I'm reminded many times we have things happen in our life and we're thinking, why didn't God just, just do something here? Why, he knows what I'm going through. Well, yes, He does. But He also wants us to ask Him, to pray to Him, to seek Him for what we need in our life. And Elisha's kind of the same way. Okay, you want your healing, then, then you need to come to me. You need to get to do what... The Lord, so the Lord can heal you. So verse 9, So Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. So he's come with all of his servants, horses, his whole parade. He's a captain. He's got all this. He's coming. He's coming. He needs a healing, but he's not real, real humble about it right now. He's just, okay, since Elisha's not going to come to me, I guess i got to go down there. And I guess, you know, I got to do what I got to do here. And so he just stands here at the door. Well, Elisha, he doesn't run out there to him. He sends a messenger to him and says, Here's the message go wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. So Naaman standing outside the door, a servant. Comes out with a message to him and tells him something that he really thought was very strange and he probably doesn't like it at all. And that's to go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and and you can be clean again. You know, you and I are thinking it's like today if someone, if you had leprosy, if you had cancer and and you knew you had that cancer and that you you was going to die because of the cancer, and someone comes and says, hey, the Lord told me that, that you, will, you will be cured of that cancer if you'll seek His face, if you'll, if you'll serve Him, love Him, do what you should do in your life, then, then you'll, you'll be healed. Man, we, we would say, well, I'm going to get busy doing what I need to do. Or are we going, well, I don't see why i got to do all that. I mean, I feel like I'm all right like I am. I just want to be cured of this cancer. Well, that's kind of like Naaman's thinking here. Uh, you know, I'm 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 an important man. I got all these things going on, and you tell me to go down here and wash you know, on this old muddy river down here. So look at what he did. Verse 11. Naaman was wroth. He's bad, but he went away, and he said, "Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place." And I will be recovered over the last. Isn't that amazing how he's got it all figured out? He said, I know just how this is going to go. I'm going to get down there. As soon as he hears my chariot roll up at the door, bam, he's going to come running out there. He's going to take his hand and strike it over me, call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to be healed and on my way back home. None of that. (laughs) We, We can't tell the Lord how he's going to do something. A lot of people want to do that, well, Lord, i got to figure it out now. if you'll just take care of this on Monday, then Tuesday I'll be good, and Wednesday, the next thing will work out, and, then, and, and so, but you just do like you know, you need to do, Lord. No, we just need to call upon the Lord, wait on Him, and watch Him work in our life, have faith, trust in Him till, till the answer comes. So the same thing is applying here. So he goes away furious, and of course he. Verse twelve, he gets he gets some uh, some advice here. Are not Abana and Paphar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Isn't that something? He he's already saying you know I don't need to do this river I can do this river, man. He should have said, I don't care where you want to send me. What you, where you, I need to go? If it's going to cleanse me, I'm ready to go do it. He's angry. He says there's better places. Verse 13, but look what his servants said. His servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, would thou not have done it? How much ra- rather than... He saith to thee, wash and be clean. Sometimes I feel like the reason why people don't get saved, they feel like they got to do some great task, some big deed, something someone else can see them do in order to obtain salvation. But that's not the case, is it? It's just a, a simple message. And it's a gospel that Christ has done all the work on the cross. We just have to accept it. That's all Naaman needed to do. Just accept what the man of God had said and go do it. He almost missed his cleansing because he's in a rage. He, I think he's ready to head back home and tell his servants say, wait a minute, come on now. We've made this trip. He's asked you to do something that's not that hard. Just go do it. Just get it taken care of. Verse 14, He went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So he obeyed the man of God. His flesh was restored. It was like a little child. And let's, I'm going to try to hurry because I want to get to Gehazi here at the end. He returned to the man of God, and he and all his company came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know there is... No God on earth, but in Israel. Therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. So he received his cleansing. He, got, he realized he was wrong. He goes back to the man of God. He says, now I know there is a God. Thank you for what you sent me to do. Here's, a, here's something I want to give you because of what you've helped give me and the direction you've taken. Verse 16, but he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So the man of God says, I won't take your gifts because I'm not the one that did the healing. And if you give them to me, that's the impression you're going to get. That, hey, thank you. I'll take those. And and, and it's nothing wrong with blessing each other with material, physical, spiritual, uh, financial gifts. But... The thing to realize, if someone wants to give you something for doing something for them, if you want to take that, I would say tell them, well, you need to praise the Lord for that it's only the Lord that did this. I thank you for what you've given me. And I'll try to turn around and give it back to someone else, pass it on, give it to the Lord. But I just want you to know, what happened here is because of the Lord. Give praise to God before it. So this is what he's doing. So, verse 17, So Naaman said, shall there not... not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules of burden on earth, for servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. So he's saying, I'm not going to give any, any sacrifice to nobody else but God because of what's been done in my life. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Reman to worship there, he leaneth on my hand, and I buy myself in the house of Reman, and I buy myself down in the house of Reman. And the Lord pardoned thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Now here we are. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, saith, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman, this Syrian, in not receiving at his hands that which he brought, but as for the Lord liveth. <laughs> this is what's in his mind. This is his character coming out I will run after him, and I will take somewhat of him. So they've had the conversation. He's tried to give him the gifts, and Elijah has turned it down. And so now they've turned and headed home, and, and Gehazi's mind's working. He said, oh boy, that was a lot of nice things. I could use that. I could, I could have that. I could make advantage of that. And I'm going to run after, go back and run after him. And so Jehazi followed after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? So he's pursuing after him, and Naaman saw him running after him. He got down from the chariot to meet him and he said, What's wrong? Something going on? Is everything all right? Verse 22 All is well, my master hath sent me, saying, Behold, even now. There be come to me from the Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of prophets and give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So he lied about that. He didn't send him. That was in his own mind. And Naaman said, Be content. Take the two talents. He urged him. Bound bound the two talents of silver in the bag, two changes of garment, laid it upon his servant, and they bare them before him. Elisha had nothing to do with sending Gehazi back to, the, to Naaman for these gifts. Nothing. He turned them down. And so Gehazi saying, Oh, you may have turned them down, but I need them. And he runs after them. He gets them. And, and Naaman thinking, okay, yeah, here you go. Please take these talents. Use them. Verse 24, when he came to the tower, he took them from his hand and bestowed them in the house and he let the men go and they departed. So that story about the two servants and him needing these gifts to help them out, he didn't even use that at all. But he let them go. Now here he is. He went in and stood before the master. He stood before Elisha. And Elisha said, Hey, where you been? What you been doing? Where'd you come from? Jehazi said, I ain't been nowhere. You see, that's God working through the man of God to give him that to let him know. Verse 26, He said unto him, Went not my heart with thee when the man turned again in the chariot to meet thee. Is it time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maidservants? Elisha knew... Gehazi was lying. He knew his heart was in the wrong place. And what happened in verse 27? The leprosy therefore that Naaman of Naaman shall cleave unto thee to thy seed forever. And he went out from the presence of a leper as white as snow. The very leprosy that clung to Naaman now is clinging to Gehazi. So as we look at that lesson of Gehazi here. What happened? The spirit of greed overcame him. Gehazi was overwhelmed with things that he could try to take for himself. And now look where he's at. Ezekiel 18:20. The soul that sins shall die, thy son shall bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. He was a wicked man. And now that leprosy is upon him. We all will face consequences of any sin. Greed will lead us to destruction. Never allow the spirit of greed in your life. You say, but I've got a lot of needs. I've got a lot of things that I I have to have. Well, Best new thing I can tell you is talk to the Lord about all your needs because He tells us in Philippians four nineteen what my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. You know we have a lot of wants, but everything we want we don't need, but He'll supply our needs. So when we trust in God with our whole heart, He'll supply the needs. He won't fall short. Gehazi really forgot what God could do in his life. He was around a man of God, but he didn't follow direction. He didn't follow the leadership of the man of God. He disobeyed the prophet. He lied about what the prophet had said. May we always obey those in authority. The Bible tells us of that. 2 Chronicles twenty twenty. Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. When we hear the word of God go forth like we do from this pulpit, we should do something with that. We should take it in and realize it's important in my life and I'm going to put it to use and it's going to help me. Be conscious of the Holy Spirit within you. Like I said, this, this finishes up my lessons on the valleys. You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.